You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Yellow. Yellow. Hello. What was the before the after the show discussion? Well, it was sad. Yeah. I'll just mention that today is the would have been the birthday. Well, I guess it's still the birthday of a person, even if they're dead and gone, of our little cousin who was nine years old a couple of years ago when she died in a car wreck. And I was just watching a video of it. it. Sounds like a really sad and depressing thing. It is, and yet that is life. True. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and like we just said, it's Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. And I mean, a birthday would always be around that time, obviously. Yeah. So it will be rough for, like, in my family, it would be like my Aunt Pam was her grandmother and my cousin was her mother and so, extended family will be, you know. So remember all the people that died this weekend. That's kind of what, I mean, it's about veterans. Yeah, but. And also, like, my mother will go to her parents and all of her aunts and uncles' graves and put flowers and clean them up and all that kind of stuff. So just a m- memorial weekend, you think of people who are gone. Do you True. have that in England? No, but we have we have Poppy Day. But that's which just is for a, veterans. Which is for vet- yeah, we don't have one for ordinary. I mean, this folk. is for mainly. I think people use Poppy Day as to go to a great to graves of their loved ones as well. You know, right? So no, there isn't an official day though. But uh, yeah, people use this. It's actually a full three day weekend, isn't it? For like uh, Mexican is uh, Cinco de Mayo, like True. Day of the Dead, is for everybody. So you can kind of. They make a. They actually make like a party out of it, like a parades yeah. and, and that's which May, I think that's is a May good, the fifth, isn't it? Yeah. No. no, yeah, yes, May the May Cinco. the Star Wars Day and then the Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Right. Yeah. All right, so it is very such- cheery way to start the show, but you know that's life. You can't. I don't avoid sad things. I'm a confrontational person. Some can say I'm not very emotional, but. I don't get devastated by terrible things, and I don't, I mean, maybe on the inside, but, and I don't get, like, super elated about the most wonderful things. I'm sort of somewhere in the middle, and I just accept it all as what it is. It is what it is. So moving on to a happier (laughs) note. uh, Oh, yes, this movie is so happy. (laughs) It is Saturday, May the 23rd. This is after the show, 377. The movie we're looking at this week is Lost River. It's a 2014 movie. It's actually available now on Blu-ray and DVD from our friends at Warner Brothers. It's rated R and Sid Talk, and this is a difficult one. (laughs) The synopsis of Lost River. Well, first I'm going to say this about Ryan Gosling, and I said it while we were watching it. He is a grim mother ducker. <laughs> There's some grimness to this movie if you if you if you're digging deep enough, you know. The synopsis would be a slice of a time of some people who are having a very grim time in a, yeah, a place that's sort of like it seems like a big black hole of misery. And maybe Maybe we're meandering to a way out. See? I think that's fair. It's a fair assessment of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let me preface... It doesn't sound, very, you don't sound like you approve of my synopsis. Let's preface... Let, let me actually, out of interest, see what the official synopsis is of this. Movie. Okay. 
because we, <laughs> it's a tough one. All right. Let's, um, We're going to have to have a setup someday where you don't have to step off the cord. Well, it's the, it's the <laughs> smallest rating ever. Okay. Oscar nominee Ryan Gosling. Spoilers, possibly spoilers if you can spoil this movie. Oscar nominee Ryan Gosling makes his directorial debut with Lost River. A dark fairy tale about love, family, and the fight for survival in the face of danger. That is That's what it. I said. So, uh, yeah. So, yes, there may be some spoilers, but this movie is... Kind of difficult to spoil, similar to Inherent Vice, which we reviewed the other week. So it's really a movie you need to see. It's more of a true experience type movie. It anyway, is. that's a good description. Moving on to the movie. Um, so what did you think of Lost River the first off? I really, and you know, there are words that you use that, that don't really, don't seem applicable to a thing, but enjoy. I did enjoy it. But it not enjoy as in a joyful way. <laughs> it was more like it was so stimulating that I was, I was like peaked at all times. Now I love that. Whether it, whether it ends up being good or bad, even if it's a big action film where I am just peaked on the dumbest movie you can ever think of, if I'm stimulated the whole time in some way, I like, I like that experience. This one had me like, Bated breath is that what we say where you're just like <gasps> yeah it's got and a tone like to that. it so that I enjoyed that it kept me in that mode almost the entire time it got a little fatiguing but I get the the point of it you know so I I really liked it overall now it's a it's an art type movie let me say so it wouldn't be for every audience like there's going to be a lot of people who dislike this kind of movie uh, it's obvious when you're watching it that the average mainstream audience would not go for this movie at all. Because it is... And I really... I love this movie. At the end, I said to you, I think I'm in love with this movie. And it's not because it's a great movie. Because I don't feel like it's, you know, the greatest thing ever. Like it's um, all perfect. Because it isn't. But the mood that it creates was what got me. And it's like this... It's brooding and it's... uh, it feels dangerous and it feels like different enough from other things. The music was like perfect for me. It's that kind of music that gets me. Like it's like the uh, the reason I like that horror movie that we watched. Not horror movie, but mm-hmm. you know which one I mean. The guest. So, the guest. It had that synthesizer kind of. There's like a... Yeah, but like... Dun, 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 Almost dun, like dun, dun, the sound dun, dun. of an electric pole, if you've ever gotten driven under a huge electric... Yeah, there's a lot of synthesizer, kind yeah. of 80s synth pop kind of stuff under the surface of it. And it sounds... It makes the some of the scenes seem more interesting than they probably are. So the music is really well done in the movie. It uses a lot of cool-looking shots. I mean, you can notice from the immediate, from when it starts... The, the actual credit sequence is just a lot of establishing shots, but they're all, every single shot looks like it was, there was love and care put into it. It wasn't just, just film that building over there for a minute. It, it was like... Toiled over. Yeah, and this, the actual director of photography on this, Benoit Deby, he's uh, the French uh, cinematographer who did Irreversible, which is a movie that we like, but you can't really say like. Another one of those. You can't say I enjoyed it. He did it's the cinema- horrible. 
so this guy, he's got a certain look to his uh, cinematography, and this movie is the same. It's neon lights, it's looking through as, glass. It's not as distractingly, or like as overtly trying to get you weirded out, though. This one doesn't have any no, of that. No, but there's it... No, there's no, like, abstractness at all. It's all very straightforward. But it all adds to the tone, like, just yeah. the, it just looks a certain way, it's lit a certain way. Often not lit at all, it's just, sometimes there's no light in it, it's just a silhouette of somebody, and even that looks, looks really pretty, everything looks... I just want to pause some of it and look at it, and, I, you know, I was looking at I was looking at some of the shots where it was bathed in neon pink, and thinking, that would make an amazing desktop wallpaper, I want that on my computer, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and capture a frame from that. But, um... It's all very stylized. It's stylistically, um, everything is deliberate. Every shot, every the way somebody's filmed. There are scenes where Matt Smith is, you know, they point the camera up underneath his chin and stuff. It's all very deliberate and constructed. And I like that. I really like it. I just like the vibe. It, it, the whole vibe feels like I, it's... Doom and gloom. It's a you know almost po- like not post-apocalyptic, but like a like a messed up world that's been. There's something wrong with the world. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's our world, but it feels there's something wrong. You don't know exactly what is wrong with the world, do you? Like it's not explained. It's just like this is your world. You know, there's a convenience store and there's a uh, but there's something gone wrong here. I'm not exactly sure what. Like it, it could just be a financial crash. It could have just been... It could have been anything, right? Well, they explained part of it. The explanation is the spoiler thing that I don't know if you want to go for. Yeah, you can go for it. That we're... I was watching the convenience... I actually thought that it's a convenience store. After all this other semi-weirdness, this convenience store is completely packed full of potato chips and peanuts. It's exactly the same as anything else. So it's not dilapidated post-apocalyptic in there. The way it looks around the town is sort of a post-Katrina, ten years later look. I think that is a fair assessment if you're if you're trying to figure out. But the date in the convenience store, where it says you cannot buy cigarettes or you can't buy booze unless you were born before this date in 1995. Mm-hmm. So add 21 years to that. That's the time frame. It's not like a post-apocalyptic future. It's not a weird other dimension. So 2000. Six. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about there? So, But something's wrong. Like, right. Something's happened. And so that part of the explanation is at some point, this whole area, there was a, a lake built and a reservoir built yep. and towns were flooded, as has happened in real life. And so now the theory is this whole place has just been, it's been flooded, so buildings are dilapidated. It's overgrown. It's like an abandoned... It's like Chernobyl. You know, that 100-mile yeah, bubble. You know, it's like that. It feels like that. But people still live But there. you still don't know if beyond this place, what the world is like. If it's just, why are these people staying here when the rest of the world seems like it'd be normal? Because some guy True. is delivering potato chips to this convenience store True. every day. So that's where the, a little bit of disconnect happens for me. But it just has... It, like, to me, I almost was like, I'm not even wondering why it's like this anymore. I'm just feeling for the people who live in it. Like, it's just... like I, the, That's my problem. I don't, because I'm a firm believer that you have choices. And if you're telling me a story, 
and you're not giving me a reason why the people aren't making a particular choice that seems not just obvious, because we all see that in movies and in stories where you're going, You mean to leave. Don't open that door or get away from that guy or whatever it is. This is even more, it's not even like you know what the problem is, so you can't tell them how to solve it. But I have no indication whatsoever why they can't just go. Why does he need a car to leave this house? There's a lot of... There's nothing... and But that doesn't make it interesting or good. That makes it a question mark. So of the 90% of it that I really enjoy, there's 10% where it's amateurish. You know? Like, I like committal movies. This isn't commits to being a bit weird and a little bit scary and a little bit gruesome. And yet it's not any of those things. When you think back on it, there's no real gore. There's no real... Well... There's only... Yeah, but that wasn't real. No, but it's still... It's a ugly-looking oh, right. thing but to look at. But it's not real. You know it's not real. So, there's nothing that. That's not... It's not. It doesn't commit to being horrific, except for... Yeah. And then, because that mixes in with the stuff you know is fake, that makes it even less impactful. So, not understanding the motivation of these people... Like, what? why are they in quicksand? What is the rest of... In Walking Dead, we understand. Like, this is, a, this is a story where I'm thinking... And that's a pretty straightforward story. But in The Walking Dead or Armageddon, you know, these kind of cheap takeoffs on stories, you get it. The rest of the world is having the same problem. There are zombies everywhere. The whole world is going to get blasted by asteroids. I feel the pressure. In this movie, it was hard for me to sympathize... Or empathize with their plights. Even though I identified with a with the higher up idea of in life some people feel their misery and like they're 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 in a cage emotionally and you know they can't get out of a terrible marriage and they can't get out of a shitty job and this is more of a reflection of that emotion, so I can accept that, than it is about actually just get off your ass and walk out of this town. There's nothing holding you here. Because I have no reason to think that they can't. If and you give me a reason, then I'm, I'm a little more okay with it. But And how the film's structured is it's like three different stories all centered around this family. Um, you know, there's the the son, um, who's called Dave, <laughs> who's, like you said, he, he's trying to fix up his car. Uh, not mm. Dave, sorry, he's Bones. called Bones. Yeah, he's trying to fix up his car. Yeah. To- don't talk about Dave. No. So Bone, this, you know, Bones is trying to fix up his car to get out of there. Yeah, by, That's what I'm saying. Like, by stealing copper from old buildings and trying to sell them. Then there's this character that Matt Smith plays called Bully, who is the antagonist here. Who's, you know who it reminded me of? Like, you know when you watch Mad Max and there's that nutter who wants... Yep. Who or wants the town. Doomsday. Yeah, or Doomsday. There's that guy who is in char- feels like he's in charge and it's his place and you should all get lost. Like, and you do what he says and you don't, you know, or you will get the consequences, which I, I you know, there's this guy. So there's that guy. There's, the, there's this guy stealing copper to make some money for his family. And then there's the mother of the family by, by Christina Hendricks. And she, her story is, for me, how I took her story is what a mother will do for her children. Like, like 
the lengths she might go to to make sure they're okay. Like Right. But by staying in that house, they're not okay. So that is the decision that, no, I don't care who you are watching this. Unless I'm given a reason why she's twice, she's really trapped there in her mind. I don't have sympathy for that decision. So every other decision is like, well, obviously. <laughs> if you decided to stay in the shithole house, in the shithole town, or what's left of a town... Every other decision you're going to make. She seems to have is, some... Um, she just said we were raised here. Yeah, yeah, like like we do as humans. Like we have a root and like like why people do like get born somewhere and stay there. Like it's like a... Right. And then when horrible things are happening around you and you choose to stay there, that's really hard for me to sympathize. So that's where I had a problem. I, While I have that going on, I also have the, the inner turmoil she has, which she shows very well. They show her different times, just crying alone. So there might be something else I don't know. I can accept that. Maybe there... But there isn't, is there? Because ultimately... Because this is... <laughs> it's not a... You know, you have to... It, this is not like a Hollywood standard film, middle, beginning, end, acts. It's all spelled out on the page for you. It's a, there's, there's interpretation to do, there's art, art going on. It's a different type of film. It's not what you'll be used to if you watch, uh, Paul Black Mall Cop 2, which I said the other, it's not that at all. Like it's, it's a different type of experience. And I just got this whole, the, I wanted to be in that vibe, even though it is, like you said, gloomy and glum. I was enjoying the vibe of it. Like, I, I was... It was washing over me, like I, like I said to you. The whole thing feels like you're in a dream. You're in this weird dream. Things are happening in this dream. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's lovely. Sometimes it's ugly. All those things are in there, right? There's, there's, there's moments of beautiful... It's beautiful, like, on occasion. Like, and you just... I've had dreams like that. You know, it's like, oh, this is really awesome. Oh, no, and here comes a nightmare thing. Which is like Matt Smith, like, here he comes, like, uh. Do you mean the cinematography is beautiful? The cinematography and the just how that all comes across with the music and the little dialogue. There's like, there is dialogue. There's not much, though. But then there's a lot of quietness, like, where you just, it's just washing over you, the, the experience of it. I enjoy that kind of thing, and I know a lot of people don't. But um, it doesn't make me better than you, if you like Paul <laughs> Black Malcott. <laughs> it's just, that's where my, I've always liked, liked the, you know... You know, I equate this to, um, I, 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 this is what's responsible for me liking this type of movie. I've, I've probably mentioned it before, but when I was a kid, not a kid, a teenager, I was supposed to go to bed at 10 o'clock because I live with foster parents, but there was no way, I'm not that kind of guy, like, I'm not going to bed at 10 o'clock. So I had a TV in my bedroom that was attached to my computer at the time, which was like a Commodore 64, but it was you had to attach your computer to a TV back then. So that means that TV would get TV if you wanted to watch TV. So I used to plug my headphones into the side of the TV because I had a headphone jack on it. And it was about, like, midnight maybe? And there was this show on BBC Two, and it was hosted by Alex Cox. And you know who Alex Cox is if you're a film lover. He's the guy who directed Repo Man. But he's a real film historian. And there was this show called Movie Drome that he did every weekend... And he showed a cult favorite movie and he introduced it and then talked about its significance and then he showed a movie. And it could be Repo Man or it could be Mad Max or or it could be like some French movie that's, you know, real, you know, I'm blanking on a French movie, but it, it, it's a relevant, you know, a very culturally relevant film and he showed one every week. And there was a lot of movies in there 
And I mentioned one to you earlier, Koaniskatsi. It's the first time I'd ever seen a movie like that. I didn't even know films were that. And what Koaniskatsi is, it's like a... It's music. Philip Glass does the music and it's imagery. And that's what it is. There isn't really a narrative, but there is... Like, if you look close into it, there is, it's about the world being, like, effed up by us all. So it's a lot of looking at refuge dumps and, like, you know, power plants that are out of control or melted down. Just, like, still photography and then video. And I watched that and I was fascinated. Watch it. It's about two and a half hours. Watch the whole thing, like, just lay in bed with my headphones on. And then every week I got introduced to, like, a... Kind of a strange film. David Lynch, A Razorhead, was on there. And and I was like, wow, films are not E.T. or Star Wars, are they? There, there's another whole, like, deep, dark version of films. And I, I feel like I'm getting it from this. So I think ah, that's why I'm averse to this kind so of movie. So that's what types... Yeah, I get you. Uh, and I went and looked it up the other week because I was like, I remember vividly watching these... How do you see those? Though? I've never seen that. All these movies that... Um, Alex Cox introduced and I went back and somebody had made a website about movie drone and he's like these are when it all when they all aired you know all the dates and these are the movies that were on and there was Repo Man obviously because he did Repo Man but the, that was the first time I saw that which is a strange film Rumblefish was on there um, very Vanishing Point was one that was on there you know all these culturally like relevant things. Not necessarily culturally relevant. But things that people they were a bit some, out of the ordinary. And some people bit, yeah. will identify with them. A, not a huge percentage. And I, but. if I could speak to Alex Cox, <laughs> who still makes movies, I would thank him for that because it made me open my eyes a little bit. Like I was like, oh, Star Wars. You know, I love, I still love Star Wars. But there's that bit of movie, there's Paul Black Malcolm side of movies and then there's this I love how you keep using that as your and then there's the irreversible are you comparing Star Wars to Malcolm? I'm just saying there's the Hollywood studio and then there's the irreversibles of this world over here that most people oh, I think don't irreversible's see. on its own so yeah but then most people don't see the the yeah. the odd movies. I mean irreversible is not drive the Mulholland drives the there's varying degrees though so I, yeah. I get what you're saying but. but that all exists and I didn't know until this and then I saw out things like that human you know? centipede yeah you know, that fits... Yeah, but then I started to seek out, like, weird films. Like, oh, that doesn't seem normal. I'm going to try that. So I, that's why I think I'm attracted to this type of movie when I watch it. It brings that all back to me. Like, oh, that's... This is not what we used to, is it? And I, I'm, I feel like Ryan Gosling, who directed this movie, it's a brave... It's his first movie that he's directed. He just put himself out there. That's his... That's him, I think. Like, his influences, obviously. I mean, there's people who he's worked with before. There's definitely some. But you are a person who's influenced, aren't you? By You're a sponge, yeah. And then you like what you like, and you don't like what you like. And I think with Ryan Gosling, that... You know, you'll see him in a movie like Gangster Squad. I believe that is to pay the bills, right? <laughs> he's a handsome movie star who can be in a movie like that. But then you see him in Drive, or you see him in Only God Forgives, or... He, you know, the art house type films, which he's definitely attracted to. I think that's him. But everybody has to get a paycheck, right? They have to yeah. live. So so this movie, to me, it it's Ryan Gosling. It's what he likes, what he likes to look at, what he likes to feel. And it's brave to just shove all that on the screen because I'm sure people were like, oh, Ryan Gosling's making a movie. We're all on tenderhooks waiting to see what he does. And then they see this and they're like, oh... 
he he's kind of weird, isn't he? He's not he's not what we thought it would be. Like you know, so I'm I applaud him for that. You know, just to embrace what he does, like and not what Hollywood would want from him. Is he our age? No, I think he's way younger, isn't he? Don't know. That's why I'm asking. He seems pretty young to me, but um. Yeah, I attribute all my like for this type of movie to Alex Cox. So if you're listening out there, Alex Cox, which you're probably not, um, thank you very much. Is you, the... you reckon he's not listening? No, I don't think so. How old is he? How oh old... We're just God. looking how old Ryan Gosling is. Oh I'm thinking God. he's 30. How old is he? He was born in 1980. He's so young. Yeah, I, I didn't think he was old. Yeek. But yeah, this is Ryan Gosling's... It's like he's... <laughs> it's like he should, you know, it's his thing. Like, it's it's quite unique, I think. But it isn't for all audiences. And that's kind of reflected in this Blu-ray release. It kind of went under the radar, you know, sometimes when there's no... It's not... I've not seen any advertising for this. Um, you can, I can tell sometimes from movies um, when the studio doesn't have 100% confidence that this will sell him, you know, big. there's no slipcover on these movies, there's very little fanfare. If you didn't look, you wouldn't know this came out, you know? It's a strange, you know, maybe he had a deal with Warner Brothers that, you know, I make some films and I can put my film out kind of thing. It's that It feels like that to me, but this isn't for everybody. Correct. But it is for if you if you related to anything I was just saying about different type of movies, give it a go. I would say, because um, it is thought provoking. I don't think you'll forget it easily. There's some imagery in there that is like in, it's it's burned. In, you know the thing that she's in. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm just not going to yeah. give what that is. A that image is. It's burned in my mind. It's See, but you're tapping... That taps into some of my criticisms, which is that while there are some images and ideas and, like, it hints at a thing that's terrible, it never goes full terrible. That was never... It was all just in your mind. And it wasn't that creepy. It was just that you thought it was creepy. And that's fine, but I'm a very go all or nothing kind of in this situation. I liked how, I, and I, and I, it worked on the other level for me. I liked how I didn't actually know what it was. But it just seemed terrible. Like it was this, the, there's a scene in this, which I, you know, you could equate to like a sexual assault almost type scene. Yeah, but also it isn't. That's the thing. It oh, doesn't tell you anything about. But the there's harm. something definitively fucked about what's happening. Like right, but it, there isn't. Because it isn't at all. You're just there in a thing. And yeah. the person isn't. So there's I, I just nothing. Mean the, the, the... But there isn't really. That's what I'm saying. It's in your mind that you think that, obviously. And then when you really think about it and look at it, there's nothing. It's nothing at all. It's like a... Well, it's no not harm. nothing at all. It is. Because there's no harm. There's no contact there's no anything it's not even like a glory hole or like one of those things where you're watching somebody do something I feel like there would have been some harm if but there wasn't i mean that's the whole idea of it when she says you're safe as long as the door's locked yeah so that's it but you're safe as long as the door's locked but the client has the remote control to open not always he's the boss yeah that's why he he has it this time so it's dangerous in, in his hands to me like i was 
frightened for her, like, so... Yes, because of that, but not because of the thing. That's what I'm saying, that it gives you the image of some weirdness that you might be like, oh, that's creepy, but, oh, that's not creepy. That's just what it is, like, you know. I don't know, I find that creepy even in the safe mode. I find that creepy. Hmm. I don't, because there's nothing going on. (laughs) Yeah, but it's still... You're behind... Odd. I mean... You're... I don't want to exp- I don't want to give yeah. that away because I think it's an interesting thing, but it's a, uh, it's a, it's I don't know. It's just also up. the I didn't I wasn't going to talk about that either. Just so you. Yeah, there's also a. It's yeah. not called Lost River for nothing. <laughs> um, so let's move on to the cast. Uh, Matt Smith plays Bully, and you will know Matt Smith. He played Doctor Who for quite a few years, maybe four or five years. Um. What, and I've never seen him in anything outside of Doctor Who. And I didn't think about Doctor Who while I was watching him. Oh, me either. At first I Which did. Which was interesting. At first I did. It yeah. just it's creeped into my head. And then it was gone. Because yeah, because like, that's unlike any... This character's a bully. But he also has that thing as, for me. Even though we see something horrible, and we know horribleness happens at his hands, uh-huh. I'm still not completely scared of him. At all. I was terrified of him. From the second, he was driving... There was a scene of him at the beginning. He's driving through the neighborhood and he's and he's on a megaphone. And he's just telling people... To, Stay away. Yeah. In just real foul language. And I was... That was where I was like, oh yeah, this is like the guy from Mad Max or Doomsday. This is the guy that you really don't mess with. And you, you know not to mess with him because he, he is pretty... He's bad. But... He's menacing, yes. You know the conversation he has in the outside the convenience store with... Yes. And that woman happens to be a local resident who was passing by, and uh, this is interesting. She's passing by, and Ryan Gosling and all the team are filming this scene. And she looks at Matt Smith and says, you're that Doctor Who guy. And she lives there. <laughs> right. And Ryan Gosling and Matt Smith start talking to this lady, and she's kind of personable. And uh, Matt Smith said... We could actually work out a scene with you, do you mind? And they, they kind of just started doing a scene together, which was like an off-the-cuff kind of thing. He's, and that was a... It, and made, the, it made total sense. And there's a scene at the beginning where he's talking to a guy, not Matt Smith. Yep. That is also the same scenario. They you can tell. It. So, yeah, and you can tell, because... You can tell that it's good. You, can't, you can tell people who are not actors in things, can't you? But it is good, because it gives it a... Where were they filming? Huh? Where were they filming? Uh, it said, didn't it, at the end? Michigan. Mm. It was all filmed in Michigan. But it was it was just one of those things, like, oh, you're Doctor Who, and then, oh, no, we're making a film here, and then she ended up being And that there. scene actually tells you more about him yep. than anything else, that there is something wrong. Yeah. And that scene really cements that for you, that even outside of all the other things you get to... Well, you only know one thing. When he's like, don't touch the chair. Yeah. And... He's, he's actually, you know, it's weird. And that's what I really liked. Matt Smith did a really good job. He's like, I, I can be personable, Matt, Matt Smith's character. He can, he could probably be likable. But then, like, the next sentence is like, stay away from me. Or, there's something broken. Yeah, yeah. It, it was hardcore. Like, so I really enjoyed Matt Smith. I'd like to see, I'm glad he did something like this. You know what? He shaved his hair to come and do this movie. And he still had to film, like, a, another five episodes of... Um, Doctor Who so the last five episodes of Doctor Who that he ever appeared in he wore a wig <laughs> I just read about it he had to wear a wig the entire time wow. I didn't notice that was interesting 
Um, Christina Hendricks uh, plays Billy, and you'll know her for, as Joan from Mad Men. And Drive. She was also in Drive, so she has worked with Ryan Gosling before. I love her, you know. She reminds me of my mother when she was young. Oh. And I've always thought that. There's something about her that reminds me of my mum when she was young. So it's, I don't know, it's like watching my mum. It's really odd when I watch her. But uh, I like her. She's very similar, isn't she, in most in things that she's in. Like She has a certain dem- like demeanour to her. When she's Joan and when she's this character, Billy, it's the same kind of demeanour, right? I don't know what it is exactly. I can't shake the Joan thing. Oh, no, I think Joan's completely different than this one. It's just, I think it's just, I mean, obviously she can't not be who she is, but they dress her up almost the same. Like, it's like a a kind of, the the clothes she wears in this movie are a little bit retro. Hmm. I disagree. It's a mixture, really. But I liked her in it. And she doesn't have a ton of dialogue. Mm-mm. Nobody really does, do they, in this movie? But, um, you know, I, I love Mad Men and I love Joan in Mad Men. She was one of my favourite characters. But, uh, yeah, she's good in this. Ian D. Kostaka plays Bones. Now, he's actually from it. I've just started watching the show. Not just started. I've been watching it for a while. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's one of the main characters in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he uh, plays a role here. He's the son of Billy. Um... And he's good. He's good in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too, but it's really kind of campy and like... Do you know what I'm saying? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a... It's a very silly kind of role, you know? He's he's a smart, cracking, jokey kind of guy, but in this he's very serious and obviously damaged, right? I don't know. There's something. I don't know about damage, just, you know... He doesn't seem happy. There's a huge disadvantage. Yeah. But uh, he played it. He played it well. And and Very again, is, there's a lot of stuff with him where he's not speaking. It's just he's going off, he's exploring, looking for stuff. And I get him like just a minute, without him even opening his mouth. I kind of got him when he was stealing the copper at the beginning. Um, I, I can never say this girl's name. Maybe you can do it better than me. Uh, Ian? No, no. Sourcey? Is that how you say it? No, no. She's she. I, I always say Cerise, but I don't know if it is Cerise. She's she's Irish. Uh, Cerise Ronan, she plays Rat. She was Hannah in the movie Hannah, and she was also in... Hannah is awesome. Yeah, it way. is. It's a really awesome movie. Um, And she was good in this, too. I didn't even expect her to be in it. Was that her singing, do you think, when she was I think so. the first scene? Yeah. I really love that. <laughs> she's playing this like really old-fashioned organ and singing to it. It's kind of haunting-sounding. And then the camera comes out, and it's looking at some other stuff, and I was like, wow, that's really... And that song is actually in the credits too, but it didn't sound like her in the credits. It sounded like a different version of it. Uh, she's great too. Eva Mendes plays Cat. Now she's, you know, she's in it the least, I would say, out of everybody, wouldn't you? She she turns up in the... Yeah, but she's impactful. It did say with Eva Mendes, and then I was like, oh, she's probably not in it much. And it's true, she's not in it that much, but it's interesting what mm-hmm. she does. And it's... She's trapped too, just in a different thing, in a different way. And we see that, I think, in her face when she's... You never know if she's a menace or if she's trying to ward yeah. our lady off of the whole thing. But I think she did a good job. When she said, do you get commissioned? <laughs> she was like, does that make you uncomfortable? That that, that was interesting. Um, and then my, the best thing about this whole movie, the best performance, is Ben Mendelsohn, who plays Dave. 
He is fantastic in this movie. From the opening where he is interviewing her in the bank thing. He's creepy. He's... To the dancing he's doing at the, that dancing he's doing, it's just fucked up and weird. Like, <laughs> and we've seen this guy before. He was actually in Drive, wasn't he? He was the uh, not Drive, uh, Place Beyond the Pines with with uh, Ryan Gosling. He was the guy who the getaway dude. He helped him with the truck. And That's everything. right. Yeah. So he has worked. He's another guy who's worked with Ryan Gosling before, and I think he's fantastic. He's an Australian actor. He was also in Killing Them Softly, um, and he's great in this movie. He is a creep. Yeah. Like, and he really knows how to be a creep. And that dancing, that was just the, one of the creepiest. I was like, what is that? That is so not what I was thinking he was going to do. And it's just odd. So, yeah, when you see him do some dancing, you'll be like, ugh. Directed by Ryan Gosling. We all know who Ryan Gosling is. We just don't know what he's like as a director. I think he did a fine job. I think that there are times when it can be super overindulgent. In the visual arts department. Yeah, totally. Every single shot of a movie can't be top-level fine art design. It can be, and then you get anesthetized to it, and it's not interesting anymore. So if you're doing, like, you know, shot after shot after shot of... And you think individually, as you're editing or as you're doing it, separately looks great. But seen, there's never just a straight-up... Shot. It's always designed, it's which is fine, designed, yeah. but I'm it lit. doesn't all lit. It isn't all woven together. It's more like boom, interesting shot, boom, interesting shot, boom, interesting shot, boom, interesting shot, boom, interesting shot. And yeah. then after a while, I, I mean, I'm a visual arts person, so by about like the fiftieth different angle of a shot in a in a scene where it's supposed to be overly interesting, it's not interesting anymore. And I feel like it's, it's that, I think you can almost feel somebody toiling over every single frame. That's been, that's right. been OWB. Now that, that, that doesn't guy. make it good. It is what it is, but that doesn't make it high quality or anything. It just means that you get a little bit, I get a little bored of it. I'm like, until we get out of this situation where every single shot you're doing of this burning house is incredibly, it's beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's interesting. And that's interesting. And that's beautiful. And, okay, let's get off of the burning house now. I, I need some... You're you're hitting me in the face with your awe of this shot. So I don't want to compare, but, like, uh, Tree of Life. That has a lot of... Um, obviously, it all looks gorgeous. And there's a lot of repeating shots and, like, let's look at this house for a few minutes. You know, let's look at this cornfield for a little bit. That does that, too. Did you? Did wasn't you? Wasn't that wasn't that a step up or whatever it was called? That wasn't a tree of life. That was the other one with Ben Affleck. Yeah, the other this this he, he did. Mom, what was that called? Stairway, step up. Malik's Malik's he, Mal, yeah. Terrence Malik did two films like just a while ago. And but there's a thing that the one he with Ben does, Affleck. It weaves together in a way where there are breaks from the what I call the gallery effect. If I go to the Louvre in in Paris, France. And I want to see every every fantastic painting in one day. By the end of my day, I'm a little bit like, ugh. You know what I mean? I'm fogged up from it all. Malik has a way of injecting shots that are just shots. Like, you feel like the camera's sitting in the corner and these people are doing this thing. Now, it might be well designed, but you don't feel it in your face. You don't feel like, oh, this is being artsy. It's just 
the shot. And then you go back to maybe the shot of the corn blowing and sort of a the slow motion of the clothes blowing in the wind. So I do think Mr. Gosling and his cohort maybe were a little bit indulgent. Not a little bit, a lot indulgent. And you feel that, you know. Now you can get swept away in it all and just be Which like mesmerized yeah. by it. I was just looking at the cinematography going, like, you know, I've heard some complaints about this movie and a lot of people said, you know, the uh, ones who didn't like it or, you know, didn't get it or whatever, that the trailer is a lot better than the movie. And I, I watched the trailer and it's like a small version of the movie, a three minute version of the movie, you know what I mean? Like, and I could understand how some people could take away everything this movie has from that trailer. Because it's all the beautiful shots, one after another. Mm. It makes it make it actually tells you some of the story through the shots, the way it's put together. It's like a mini version of the movie, and I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, I'd rather watch that trailer than the movie because the trailer is beautiful." Also, yeah, it's not ex- not doesn't go on forever. Now, interestingly enough, Lost River is it's a pretty short film. It's only ninety minutes long, but the version that was shown at the Cannes Film Festival was actually um, 15 minutes longer than that. So I don't know where that version has gone. Uh, I was just reading, um, Bernard Debbie said he filmed 200 hours of footage for this movie, which is a lot of hours. <laughs> so there are a lot of shots that have been removed or, you know, edited down, but he's, he did 200 hours of... So yeah, your burning building was probably filmed for 60 minutes. You know, he probably... It could, like like um, Malik movies, like, there's an eight-hour eight version of Tree of Life because of the way he films. He films and he films and he films and he films, right? So there is an eight-hour version of Tree of Life. There could be an extremely long version of this film. I don't think that would make it any better, though. I think it was edited quite well, to be honest. Because it took, like, something that could have been, you know, bloated and over and kind of shrunk it into this piece of art. So, extras. Are there extras on this Blu-ray? Nope. Only what you make up in your mind. There is nothing. Only you looking it up on the internet. There is just this beautiful looking movie and nothing else. There is uh, nothing. Nothing. So, um, there's not even trailers or anything. It's just straight to the menu and then then the movie. So, yeah, there's very little... If you want to go and learn about this movie, you have to go and search out interviews with Ryan Gosling. There are quite a few that were out there. So, um, in conclusion for Lost River, I'm going to say this is not for everybody, but if you identify with anything I was saying earlier, I think you should see it. Because um, I don't know why, well, I do know why, that these movies just resonate with me. And most people look at me and go, you like that movie? So it's that. (laughs) But do you like it because of that, or you like it because you like it? No, I like it because it does something to me. It, I feel something watching the movie, which I... You know, I, I like I've said to you, I can enjoy a stupid comedy also. Jackass. That doesn't do anything to me. I'm just, you know, entertained. It's mindless. This isn't mindless exactly, but it can be. You can actually just let it flow over you and not, you know, it feels, it's a feeling rather than a cohesive thing. Mm. And I, like I said, I love Paul Thomas Anderson, and we did review Inherent Vice recently. It's not my favourite Paul Thomas Anderson film. I feel like I need to see it more to get it properly. But as an experience and a vibe, I got that part of it. You know, it definitely has a whole vibe to it. Hmm. 
the kind of vibe that Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas also has that I know I like, but I don't 100%. And there's no part of that feeling of, I kind of like this, and there are going to be idiots of the world who don't get this, therefore I like it even more. No, I don't really. I 100%, you don't, like I said, I'm not better than you for liking this, (laughs) and you could be dumb as a post and love this too because you just like how it looks, right? <laughs> nice, nice. So no, I don't, it's not like, oh, I feel better than everybody else because I like this. Like I'm so intellectual. It's just There's just something that was ingrained in me as a kid, as a I think teenager. it gets stuck in that crack, unfortunately, between the intellectual people, the critics and who can find all the symbolism and find all the references to old films and to all the great film directors of all time, you know, and then they can piece together what they find out, what they think is, a, you know, an innovative, amazing film. It's not that, because they didn't love it. And then it's not the movie that straight up people who do like Drive. Right. Because it's not this sort of No, it's more cool. Distant. It's more Right, so there's that. So in between the crack there, that's where this comes. Because it's not going to feed the intellectual and most of those snotty intellectual people. Because they're going to poo-poo and say how... Yeah, and it's not going to feed the people who just like, you know, a semi-cold, tough, to swallow kind of movie. They're going to poo-poo on it also. So it's kind of in the (laughs) shithole. But I like it. I really... I'm not going to say it's entertaining. And the critics, the critics absolutely murdered this movie. They panned it. I, I was just looking, and it's just, it's just not well received anywhere. Really, it's people just we don't get it, or it's not good enough. Or... And I understand that. I understand that somebody could watch it and roll their eyes and be like, "Oh my god!" I feel like in film school, where our assignment was to make a feature film, and. This is the assignment, and it seems overly indulgent, and it it's, you know, the thing about in any art or any craft that you're supposed to know the rules before you break the rules, and this is this can feel like somebody yeah. breaking the rules because they didn't want to take the time to to learn it all yet. Now I'm not I'm not being disrespectful to the filmmaker people. I'm just saying that's how it feels occasionally. Like screw it, I'm gonna do a one minute scene underwater that you can barely see anything. But that the sound and the idea of what's happening is going to kind of supposed to, you know, make it sort of ethereal and weird and scary, but not do it in a way that actually fits me as a story watcher's expectations. Like, there's a thing, you know, there's like a line. It always brings me, I was just thinking that that just brought off this. The doors, Oliver Stone's The Doors, the bit where Jim Morrison's in film school and, uh, the teacher says, okay, we're all going to, we're going to screen everybody's films today. And, uh, they go, okay, we're going to do Jim Morrison's. And he puts his collar up and kind of sits there with his head down and all the class are watching it. And it's like this weird film and he's like naked and he's got a Nazi thing on his head. You know, it's really, I don't remember. It's very avant garde, the film he's made. He's like a Nazi, but he's, his penis is out. He's stood on a desk and he's opening his ass cheeks. It's really weird. And um, the, they're all look and they're all booing and throwing things at the screen. But it's like him. And yeah, he's yeah. like He's just looking down and going like, "Yeah, but that's that's how people must feel when they get criticized." Like, look, this was my, this is this is me. Like, you know, this is Ryan. Gosling. I mean, it depends on your motivation. If your motivation is to be pretentiously cool, 
then you're going to have to suck it up. Yeah. If people don't like you have it. Because you're trying to be pretentiously cool. Maybe not trying to be pretentious. But if it's but... you on the screen. Which and, it's, and it's at, and you've hit the limit of your knowledge of how to do this thing, which is in this case, make a movie. And you're at the limit of how you can construct it and tell the story and do the scenes and do the shots and how you can make it all work. If you, if you're at a certain level and you can look back in five years and go, Oh my God, I just didn't know anything when I did that movie. Well, that's different. That's the best you're doing in that moment. That could be hard for people to be criticized about. So, moving on to um, next week. Thank you to Warner Brothers for Lost River. Uh, next week, we are reviewing a completely different movie, McFarlane USA, which is a new Disney movie with Kevin Costner. So we're going to look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going with... I've got four. Is that against the rules? Nope. This movie's kind of against the rules, so I was going against the rules. <laughs> uh, number one would be Drive. Nicholas Winding Refn, uh, you know, made it, and it's uh, starring Ryan Gosling. Uh, I really adore that movie. My other one is Mad Men, because Christina Hendricks is in this movie, and uh, Mad Men just ended, and it's a good time, if you've never seen it, to go and start watching it from the beginning. It's all on Netflix. Uh, Doctor Who, because of Matt Smith, another show that I really love. And finally, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because the guy from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, all the shows I love, the people in this movie were all from them, which was kind of odd in one movie. So they're my recommendations for this week. Yours are? Mine are... There's the episode of MASH, of course, in season 8. I believe it's episode number 22. It's called Dreams. And it is... I mean, we're talking about the 80s here. A TV show. A, you know, 28 minutes or 22 minutes to get your whole idea across. And this is like dream sequences from each of the main characters. You know, Major Houlihan and the Doctors and the Captain. Um... Colonel. Because they've had a really huge long day of horrible, you know, lots of injured, lots of surgery, whatnot. And then their dreams reflect a sort of, like, for example, her. there's no laugh track on this one. Hers is, she she's in her dream and she's in her wedding dress. And she's kind of out in a field. And then all of a sudden, and there's a bed, you know, because she's just been married. I mean, she's been married in the show. And she's it's, it's kind of got that Vaseline look. And then all of a sudden, all these injured soldiers with missing arms and legs start coming around. And then there's too many of them and she can't. And her dress starts getting blood all over it, you know. Now that's... There will be people at the time who just want to watch a MASH episode and be, like, yucking it up. And every one of their dreams is is about, like, um, somebody's in a boat. It might be Hawkeye. I don't remember. Um, I haven't got that season yet with my rewatch. But they're in a boat. And all of a sudden, like, a mannequin leg washes up against the boat, and then another one, and then a mannequin arm, and then pretty soon they're completely surrounded by all these mannequin limbs, because they have to cut off so many arms and legs of soldiers, you know? So it's grim, and it's dreamy. Surreal, kind of. It's not surrealistic. It is what it is. It's like, that's their subconscious, you know? So that made me think, you know, people have always been trying to make, tell a story that's beyond the just straight up quote-unquote, narrative type, you know? And uh, my other one is Lars and the Real Girl. Because it has... It's not dreamy at all in it, the way that it's made. It's nothing special. Like it's I almost feel up. like that was the first Ryan Gosling movie we ever saw. It is. Yeah. Your feeling is correct. That is the first did you, one. Did we not see him before that? Was it? Uh-uh. I no. didn't remember seeing him. No, me neither. But the idea of what this dude is doing is what makes it... And the people around him, it makes it feel... 
like you're a little out of its And if you think about it, Ryan Gosling's always been attracted to mm-hmm. the unusual With or the different. exceptional ones. Sorry. Yeah, with, like I say, Gangster Squad is <laughs> quite clearly you a paycheck. You on Gangster Squad. Because it is very basic, isn't it? It's, it there's not a lot to it. I didn't it. like it, I don't think. I semi-liked it because I do like the, that era. Um, but yeah, it's pretty generic. Also trying too hard to be something else completely But it's quite, that's not, I don't think that's his thing. That's just something that they needed a heartthrob for, and he's Mr. Heartthrob, isn't he? Place Beyond the Pines, kind of different. You know, it's not your average run-of-the-mill movie. And and I, like I say, I love that one too. So let's move on to games and Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing two games this week. Number one would be, uh, well, the first one I'm going to mention is uh, Destiny. Uh, I've mentioned this game many times, Destiny. I've probably played hundreds of hours of it since it came out. Um, the expansion pack came out this week, House of Wolves. Uh, and I got the season pass with my collector's edition when it came out a year ago. So this expansion pack came as part of that, so I didn't have to pay or anything. So I loaded it up this week, grabbed it, and played it. And I said to you I was a bit disappointed with it, because there's a there's a load of new story missions. And why I mean... What I mean by a load is I mean five new story missions. Now, I sat down to play the story missions, and within two hours, I'd finished them all. Now, the game's made so you can like replay them over and over, but I find that really boring anyway. I don't really want to replay them over and over, so I'm done with the story. And then I was like, okay, so this is the expansion pack. I, I know, because they told us earlier, that there isn't a raid which is usually the main meat and potatoes of the expansion pack. You can go and play the raid with your friends. Well, there isn't one in this at all. They decided not to go with one. But there's like a horde mode, which if you know what a horde mode is, it's like uh, where you and your friends go in a room, like in a big arena, and they send AI monsters at you, and you see how long you can last, and you do it in waves. like And while that's like trite, and like every game does it now, They've done it quite well in this game, and it makes me want to keep doing it. Like, I, I did it yesterday, and then I did some more today. And how it works is you go in with two of your friends. It's just a bunch of three, so you don't need to find loads of friends. You just need three of you. And you go in, and you fight these waves of enemies. And when you get to the fifth wave of enemies, if you survive, because it's really quite difficult, you get to go into this treasure room and they give you some random treasure. So it's like an award, like this treasure room's behind this door. If you actually can complete the waves, you can go in the treasure room and there's a, a chance of getting something amazing. Um, that's an easier way of getting something amazing than the raids were. The raids took like six, seven hours sometimes. It was a massive commitment. Everybody had to play this. Within 20 minutes, you can have got, got through it and you've got a chance of getting something. I'm not saying you're going to get something every time, but there is a chance. So it's a better way of going in there just for a fun time and just, you know, shoot some things and get get a bonus at the end. So that's pretty much all there is to it. There is a multiplayer component as well called the Trials of Osiris, which is like teams of three battling against each other. I've not really got that much... Um, I don't really have any interest in it, to be honest. It's like, it's competitive multiplayer, you know, deathmatch kind of thing. Um, But that's part of this expansion as well. So I feel this expansion for $20, if you actually had to pay for it, is kind of, it's a bit much. Too much money. Too much money. It's a lot of filler, 
you know, I can tell you now, like, all the story missions that are in there, while they're quite good, actually they further the story. I liked the story and the dialogue that they recorded and all the talking, you know, and the cutscenes. But every single map was a map you've already played. And because it's Destiny, you've played these maps hundreds of times because, you know, that's the way it is. But a reverse, like, a reverse version of the map, like, you go in it from the other end. It does feel different if you... Say you walk down our street and then you walk down the street the other way. Yes, it's different because the trees are in different places. <laughs> yeah, but still. But 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 you know the scenario. You know, oh yeah, there's uh, things over there and there's going to be a thing there. So it it kind of is very deja vu. Like oh yeah, I've been in this room before. It's boring. Like you know, I why can't you've had eight months? You're taking twenty dollars off everybody. Why isn't it all new? Why is there not a new planet or a new? It just feels lazy to me. Like they just, uh, we've got, we can do that. People will pay for that. They want some more stuff to do. That's what it feels like. So I'm a bit disappointed. Yeah, I want to play it. So it's weird. It's a, a ground of in the middle. But the other game I've been playing this week is The Witcher Three. And what I said to you last week is The Witcher. The Witcher series has been a weird one for me. I didn't play The Witcher One at all. The Witcher Two, I started to play it. Me and my nephew started playing it. We got about 10 hours in and we just looked at each other and went, eh, let's play something else. We didn't like it. And I, we talked about it yesterday and the reason we think we didn't like it, it was it was really difficult and it was kind of awkward to play. Like all the menus were awkward. The whole thing was kind of irritating, everything about it. So going into The Witcher 3 this week, I was like, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not really the kind of guy who plays RPGs anyway. They're not really my thing. So I was a bit like, uh, well, I hated The Witcher 2, so how am I going to like The Witcher 3? Like, it's just going to be... I'm going to hate it, right? So this is the weird thing. I started to play it, and I played the tutorial, and I played about an hour of it. And I turned it off, and I said to my friend who actually bought it, I'm sharing it on his Steam, Steam share, I said, uh, I don't think I like it. It's not for me. Like, I, it doesn't connect with me. I don't... You know, I'm not digging the character. I don't... I just, I don't know if I want to do it. Like, it doesn't feel like, I like Destiny, I want to go and shoot some stuff now. This doesn't feel like that. So, I, I I almost was ready to shelve it and not play. And then that afternoon, I was uh, like, oh, I think I'll play it, see if if it's any good. And I started just going around the world on the horse. Did you not watch the quick play first? uh, No, I watched that after I'd played a bit. But I got on the horse and I just went around the world a bit. And I, I feel like I went too far. Like, I, like you can go anywhere you want. But I seem to have gone so far because I wanted to investigate the world. I was out of my element. Everything was too difficult. And that's ah. what I'd done wrong. I was, in this, I was in a zone that you're not supposed to go to for a long time. So, no, I couldn't win any fights. I was dying all the time. And I was like, wow, how's this? this is too hard. Like, I just can't do it. So, somebody on NeoGAF said... If you've gone too far and you're not enjoying the game, go back to the beginning area. And I was like, I can't even find the beginning area. The map's so big, I don't even know where I started. So I got some coordinates and I traveled all the way back and I started doing the beginner missions, which are there, which I ignored because I wanted to go off and investigate. And I started doing them and leveling up and I got a bit stronger. And then I was like, I actually like this. I like this guy. The story is good. The witch is cool. Like he's, he's not good. He's not bad. He's a bit of both. Um, he'll kill somebody and steal shit, or he'll be really kind to somebody. Like he's really in the middle. Like, and you control what he is. Like, you know, you get choices all the time. 
What I didn't expect was, you know, I don't want to hurtle through the story because I was enjoying it. I was like, I, I'm, I'm the kind who goes off and does everything. I? So I was like, I'll do the secondary missions. Like on my list is like secondary missions. I'll, I'll do some of those because they, they probably give you some XP and they're probably really easy and, and nothing to them. That's wrong. Like I did a secondary mission yesterday, which lasted about three hours. <laughs> the whole thing is voice acted. It's not like you go up to a guy. What I'm used to in these RPGs is you go up to a guy, he goes, my wife's gone missing, can you find her? And you go, yeah, okay. And then you follow an arrow, and you get to a thing, and there's his wife, and there's some monsters. You kill the monsters, you get his wife, you bring her back, and you get some money. Sounds riveting. That's usually what RPGs are. There's a lot of fetching, carrying. Can you go and get some apples from the orchard? You go to the orchard, you bring the apples, you get paid for it. This turns all that on its head. It's not that. I go and do something for some guy. He says, there's some weird noise coming from a hillside. We don't know what it is. Do you want to go and have a look? I go to a hillside. There's this massive tree. It's like the huge, the biggest tree you've ever seen. The tree starts talking. There's not that face or anything. It's just talking. It's like, I'm trapped inside the tree. And it's a real evil voice. And I'm like, well, this is cool. This is just a side mission. And, and the trees, it's a female, I believe. It says... Can you come down to the roots and talk to me properly? And you have to find your way through, like, underground. Go underground, you find... And then you find the where the roots of the tree is. And the roots of the tree, it's this woman who's been encased in this tree. And it's like a spell that she's under this spell. And she's like, do you want to help me? Because I'm, I'm, I've been stuck here for years. Like, I, I just need help. You know, my husband probably wondering where I am, all this kind of stuff. So, you... You can agree? Or you can just kill. You can just stab it, right? And just leave. Like, because he's the Witcher. Like, he, he can do what he wants. Why? So, Why can he just do what he wants? Well, he's just his own. She says, I'll give you some money or he's whatever. above the law? Is there no law in this land? There's law, but he's he's a, he's a, he's a witch-hunting type. You know, he's a violent kind of guy. But the, the he's a witch-hunter? Yeah, well... He, he also has magic powers. He's also... He's also they're not there's actually that's funny because somebody says to him I need a there's a witch we're trying to find you're a witch hunter right and he says no I'm a witcher and he says same thing and he just looks at him like as though no we're not the same thing we're we're not a witch hunter we're more than that but um you get this choice you know I could have stabbed this tree thing in the heart and that's it she's done right she's she's out of her misery but I was like okay I'll see because you can probably make some money out of this so she says You've got to go and fetch some bones, fetch some feathers from a raven, and fetch a black horse. Bring them all in, into this cave, and I'll perform the ritual, and then I'll be free. So I go off, and finding these three things is not the easiest thing in the world either. You know, this is a really involved thing. The third thing of capturing the horse involves mind controlling the horse, because these black horses won't let people ride them, and then riding it down into the into the thing and this is a secondary mission remember it's all voice acted there's all this stuff I had to do so bring all this stuff back and drop it on the thing and she starts doing the ritual and then she there's a moment where the witcher realises that she's probably like super evil and she just wanted out of this curse thing that she's in to go and fuck everybody up like (laughs) there's a moment he realises that could be it or not well I don't know so there's an option then, do you want to kill it? 
because it could be evil or just let it go like because you know you've got a heart and it's a lady who's trapped so I let it go and then I'm wandering down the road I got my reward I'm wandering down the road and there's this guy from the village he said did you sort that thing out that we told you about the tree like the noise on the hillside and he's like yeah I, it was easy I just let I went down we did this ritual and we let the spirit go and the guy's like you let the spirit go and he's like, and the witch is like, yeah, it was really simple. We just did this thing, and the, and now she's gone, and she won't. It's like you let it go. It murdered our town, like the whole town last time. It was. Well, been nice to know yeah. that before you went. To <laughs> but you don't. So there's all this gray area. Like it's like. So then I'm like, oh shit, this. Ta-. And then, it, so now I'm kind of hanging around this town, waiting. I, I want to see what happens. Like if she does come, and she's going to another town. She's going to come somewhere. So I'm probably going to, and that's a secondary thing, not even part of the story. And you saw me doing one this afternoon about this baby. That's mm-hmm. a secondary thing too. And it's so involved and it's all voice acted. And I was like, wow, if they're the secondary things, what is the story like? You know, it's... But it's, you're doing the story as well. You are, but these are not like the main quests. The main quests... If these are the, the secondary quests, what are the main ones like? You just these, said that. I understand, yeah, but, but what I'm saying have you is not what, done any of the main quests? Just one. Hmm, right. Everything else I've done has been secondary content, which there's loads of. Like, I, I'll just trot down the like a road on the horse I'll see a uh, village I'll stop there's a notice board in every village where people post jobs and stuff I'll grab all the you no know, the things off and then all of a sudden my map just starts lighting up like go here go here go here go here and I look at the map and I'm like there's 50 things to do here now and they're all like that things like that you know things that might take three hours or so if you like RPGs this is they said when when they were bringing it out, this will probably take you 200 hours to finish. It's huge. They're not lying. It is huge. So um, it's The Witcher 3. It's out now. I'm playing it on PC, but it's also on PS4 and Xbox One. Apparently, the PC version is the best-looking one. I can vouch that it looks amazing, like really amazing. Like, I was looking at... Just, you know, looking at the world, thinking... The best world I've seen so far is GTA V. And for, like, medieval kind of stuff, this is, you know, rivaling that for the level of detail that's in there. So, uh, that's my games and a school stuff. What's for dinner, Sitok? Tonight is Veg Fest. Which that's is? lots of vegetables. Some mixed vegetables, such as broccoli, cu- I mean, you know what vegetables are. And some rice with the almond. That, you know, ugh. It's a mix. I'm not making it homemade. It's almonds and whatever. So some rice, a sandwich with the fake, quote unquote, fake vegan turkey. Turkey, I believe it is. Or ham. I can't remember which one it is. And uh, for dessert, some cashew ice cream because oh my god, it's so good. Is that the, yeah? It's delicious that one. With the I big cashew with the full cashew. Yeah. So yeah, vegetables were on my mind because just feel like I need to healthy up. I and salt the last few days. Your advice before we leave. That you can agree with the criticism and still not agree with the criticism. You can say, if someone said, this movie we just watched is indulgent, it has no narrative, it's kind of amateuristic, well, you know, criticizing it, I can agree with those things. On a certain level, I get completely what they're saying. I can't defend against those things. I agree that looking at the same movie, I can see your point. However, I can also disagree or not agree 
But that's how I see it. True. So in life, when someone disagrees with a thing, you know, like, I don't know, let's say a politic thing, you know, like welfare. Now, I might disagree with the idea of letting anybody apply for assistance. Just anybody. I mean, if I wanted to go apply, I could if I give enough reasons and do all the paperwork. Now, I don't agree with that. Right? That's a criticism I have of the welfare system. That right. it's too easy. But I get it. I get why it's there. Yeah, so yeah. I can see both sides, but I still have an opinion on one side. I don't think this is how it should work. However, I get it. I don't know if everybody sees criticism that way. If someone criticizes something about you, you have to be able, unless it's something really, really unreasonable, which you may not be the best judge of it, but you have to look through their eyes if you can and see if you can see that thing that they're criticizing and still be able to say, I get it. And I don't like the phrase agree to disagree, but... We're not going to agree, but I get what you're saying. True. Instead of just, no, 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 no. Or like, we're watching Big Brother UK. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like, just to cut somebody off without listening to the thing they're saying. Just because you're not slamming them down. Right. Doesn't mean you're supporting their idea. I'm not condoning what you're saying, if it's something even more intense, it's not like I'm saying to you, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I approve of whatever you're saying. It could be something I completely don't even approve of, but I can still understand what you're saying. So. So that's it. Sometimes you can disagree with the criticism and still agree with the basis for the criticism. So let me remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com and sidtar.com. You can catch us on social networks, Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on Stitcher. Go to stitcher.com and search for After the Show. iTunes, which you all know what iTunes is. Microsoft's music service. Uh, also, um, Spotify announced this week that they are going to do uh, podcasting support. So as soon as that is available, I will put After the Show on uh, Spotify if you use that. And a lot of people do. So, um, yeah. Keep a lookout for that. RSS feed, just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can just listen to it on the webpage or you can download it from there. You can send email to me at aschoolie.com. Don't send SidTalk an email. And finally, stay classy, uh, Mr. Ryan Gosling. I'd be interested to see what he directs next. Could be crap. <laughs> Could be great. I am going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you.